Welcome to A Millennial's Guide to Saving the World with your host, Anya Cates. This podcast has one mission, to rally a generation that's been labeled and groomed as lazy, triggered, and entitled, and invite us all to write a new story. One of a generation that's willing to challenge the status quo, reject black and white thinking, and opt out of each and every repressive system and box that we've been placed in. Above all else, I want to invite millennials to step up to the plate, to be vulnerable in owning our responsibility to ourselves and for walking this planet through the darkest of days. It's time to dream new dreams, write new stories, and create new futures. The great work begins. everyone. Welcome back to the show. It is a beautiful Saturday afternoon here in Topanga Canyon. It uh, rained pretty hard over the past few days, which was, I have to say, just the most magnificent thing. Um, It made me recognize how much I really look forward to, um, I'm looking forward to moving to Colorado where there's weather. I recognize it'll be a little bit more weather than a couple of days of rain, but still. Um, I think one of my favorite things that happens here, other than just it raining, is after it rains, the whole canyon goes from kind of looking like a desert to the Irish countryside. These amazingly bright green grasses shoot up from the earth where there was previously just dry brush, basically. Um, and just within the course of a week, the whole landscape is transformed in such a spectacular way. Um, it's been really fun to kind of notice that in the, in the couple of years I've, I've lived here and notice the little grasses shoot up from the ground after we have weather like that. So feeling, feeling thankful to be here, still kind of reveling in being back after the fires. I, it's been several weeks now, but, um, really was just a crazy experience to be gone for so long and come back. So I'm feeling, I'm feeling happy to be here. I feel that there has been a light that has added to so much of the darkness that I think we've all sort of been experiencing, uh, for quite some time now. And I was just having a conversation with a friend of mine the other day where she was telling me about a conversation she had had where someone had asked her if she was happy with her life. And so I took a moment to kind of think about how I might answer that question. And I think my immediate reaction was like, I'm happy I have a life. And I feel that in my world right now, and for the rest of my life, that I'm always going to be kind of operating on this parallel between you know, darkness and lightness and happiness and sadness and grief and praise as Martine Prechtel calls it. Um, and I, and that to me is beautiful and like, I'm happy for that, but I, I don't know. I've just been thinking a lot around these parallel worlds that like I've reached an age or I've, or I've just been through enough experiences now where, I no longer seek or want 
happiness all the time. And the darkness, in fact, has added so much value to the light. Um, so anyway, that's that's what I've been thinking about as I sit here and watch the canyon turn from death into life. Um, today's episode is an interview that I did with Tim Holleran. Um, Tim is an evolutionary astrologer, and we talk about the astrological significance of the millennial generation. And before I get into that, I wanted to kind of talk, use this episode and something that just happened yesterday as an opportunity to talk a little bit more about millennials as a word and a group and a category and my reasoning for having my podcast have millennial in the title and having that be the focus. Um, So the way that this came about was that like, I've always been super, super ashamed of not just being a part of the millennial generation, but just being young in general. I've, for the vast majority of my life, spent most of my time with older people. I've been in romantic relationships with older people. A lot of my friends are older and I always was ashamed I was young and I always felt that my age made it so that people weren't taking me seriously. So I decided to basically hide it and just sort of conceal it the best I could. And then over the past couple of years, when I went through a lot of shit in my life and got into astrology and kind of reflected on my own journey and potentially the journey of my generation, I started to recognize that, you know, age and millennial, that of course, these are all just social constructs with meanings that we've assigned to them. They don't actually have any real world significance. And I'm so, I'm the type of person that's extremely anti-shame. You know, I don't want to live in the world or, or exist in the world as someone that isn't the same person, you know, on the inside and the outside. Like I don't want to hide anything. I want to be true to myself. And part of this hiding of my age and my generation was adding to the shame that I felt about myself. And so I made a conscious choice that I was going to like reclaim that. And I was going to say, you know what, I'm going to do the opposite of what I've been doing. (laughs) Instead of running away from my age, I'm going to like wear it on my chest, you know? And so I decided to have millennial in the title and to take that on knowing that it would be hard and knowing that it would be a challenge for me to express what I wanted to express without someone like just making an immediate judgment based on the podcast name or based on the age that I am. Um, And, uh, you know, I feel like I've been meeting a lot of people over the past few weeks and I've had this podcast now for a little over a month. And so kind of for the first time I'm, entering out into the world as someone who has this podcast called A Millennial's Guide to Saving the World. And it's been very interesting to express that and talk to people about that and to see what people's reactions are, which are, you know, I think mixed, but I'm certainly getting a lot of the judgment and kind of like side eye and like, uh, I'm really like, oh, okay, like that sounds great, but like, no, thank you. Um, 
I've been getting some of that and I guess, you know, I expected it and it's okay. And I'm like willing to take the backlash. It's just been funny because I feel like I'm like walking around with a t-shirt that says like, hi, please hate me and don't take me seriously. Um, anyway, I, it was funny too, because, um, yesterday I got a, my first bad review on iTunes for the podcast, which I feel like because I got a bad review and because I have haters that like, I finally made it. But this review is like, you know, very anti-millennial. It was just like, this is too millennial. I'm an exennial. I don't know what an exennial is, but anyway, this person, it was a very like anti-millennial type of review. And it was just kind of interesting, especially knowing that I was going to about to put out this podcast episode, like about the astrological significance of millennials, that it all sort of happened at the same time. Um, but I just wanted to tell that story because I really want to encourage all of us. I know I'm not alone in my generation to be just like ashamed and want to run away and pretend we're not the generation that we are. And I think, you know, we're not super young anymore. You know, we're most of us getting into our third generation here, or is it the third or the fourth? I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> um, so I'm very happy that I named the podcast what I named it and to expose myself as a millennial. And I, I do hope that it inspires all of us, not just in regard to being a millennial, but to just like be who we are and to do the opposite of what people want us to do, which is like run away and hide and be shamed and lived in the shadow and live in the shadows around everything. Um, Anyway, I hope when you hear this episode, you will understand a little bit more around why it was so important to me to reclaim and take responsibility for the legacy that quote unquote millennials are leaving in this world. And whether we want to use that term or not, we are part of a group of people. Um, and uh, yeah, so if you haven't listen to the last episode with Eugenia. I recommend doing that. It was a little bit of like an intro to this episode. Um, I'm going to be taking a little bit of a break from talking about astrology, but I really did want to start the podcast with at least two episodes that really framed my vision and perspective about this whole show and about what we need to do in the world. And I, you know, I figured astrology is yet another one of those things that feels a little bit that I'm a little bit of ashamed of still because it's so misunderstood. Um, and I wanted to just kind of get that out there and be like, Hey, this is me. This is the stuff I believe in. This is the stuff that I think is really cool. And if you're going to listen to the show, you know, hopefully you can get on board with that. Um, so I'll be, I'm sure weaving in astrology and definitely having other astrologers on to talk about different things in the future. But didn't want you to think this is going to be like an all astrology podcast or anything. We are definitely moving on in topics, but I, I do think that these, those, the episode that I did with Eugenia and this episode today with Tim, um, really does help to frame my overall kind of perspective about the universe and where I'm coming from. So, uh, last thing as a reminder, this is a totally ad free podcast and I intend to keep it that way. But because of that, that means that I do this for free. Um, and it would, it would be nice to have that change. It would be nice that to be able to have this show and all that goes along with it, um, grow and be my primary source of income so that I can actually devote a lot more time to it. 
Um, my goal is to very much make this show a more immersive experience for both myself and you guys. Um, what I'd really love to do is to like travel and go to different places with people that are doing really amazing work, immerse myself within that world, and then share it with you guys through like multiple podcast episodes, more of them, longer episodes, videos, um, even just like Instagram stories, be being there and sharing experiences with you to inspire all of you is my biggest goal. Um, and so if you would like to help me make that happen, um, the way to do that is to become a patron on Patreon. So if you head to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Anya Cates, A-N-Y-A-K-A-A-T-S, you can become a patron. It's a monthly donation. It starts at $5 a month and goes up from there. And not only by supporting me as a patron are you supporting the show and everything that goes along with it, but I also give you guys access to like all sorts of perks. So I'm going I'm posting bonus podcast episodes up there. Um, I've got monthly horoscopes, the one for this lunar cycle I just posted yesterday. I've got weekly columns of inspiration where I share um, articles, music, art, uh, all sorts of different things that are inspiring me. Um, and then the other thing that I just added because I reached my first goal on Patreon is that I'm now going to be um, putting out monthly workshop worksheets on various like psychological or cosmological or philosophical ideas. So these will be like 101s or worksheets around particular topics that I'm really interested in. I do very informal versions of that on Instagram stories sometime, but sometimes, but I really wanted to make that a more formal practice and offer it to the people that are supporting me most through Patreon. So if any of that sounds interesting to you, if you have the uh, ability to donate five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, I would really appreciate it. I want this show and everything that comes along with it to be about you guys and what you guys find valuable. And so if this is something that you enjoy, I hope that we can work together to create dope shit. Um, so patreon.com slash Anya Cates. If you really can't afford that, what you can absolutely do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, leave me a review and rate the show. All of these things help the podcast grow and reach more people. And it's totally free. So at the very least, if you listen to this, if you've enjoyed it, I would really appreciate the whole subscribe rate review situation. Um, on that note, uh, that's all I have to say, I think. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode with Timothy. It was a really great conversation and talk to you guys soon. Okay, cool. Well, thank you, Tim, for coming on the show. Um, as I was just kind of mentioning when we were offline, um, Tim is an astrologer and, uh, one that I found through, um, another astrologer's, uh, podcast called Bridging Realities. Eugenia is going to be on the show as well. Um, and when I first discovered astrology, um, Eugenia, uh, made a point to say that I had to listen to the interview that she did with Tim about the Pluto Scorpio generation. And at the time I had absolutely no idea what that meant. Um, but upon listening to the episode, um, the millennial generation, which was something that I was kind of ashamed to call myself a part of became quite clear in a new way, um, and really inspired a good bit of what I wanted to share and expose with the podcast. So, 
I'm really excited to have Tim on the show and we're going to do the same thing. We're going to talk about um, millennials through the lens of astrology and uh, kind of talk about, you know, why um, our generation is significant and, and where we're going. So thanks again, Tim. Well, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here and to talk about this subject. So thanks. Cool. Yeah. Um, so I would love, I know a bit about your history, um, but I would love to have you kind of talk a little bit about how you stumbled upon astrology. I think um, you are obviously a millennial as well. Uh, and I think, you know, at least my experience growing up was that I don't think that you know, I, I read that I think that you were kind of like struggling with <laughs> depression or mental health issues and just started Googling, which I thought was like the cool, or maybe the Google wasn't even a thing back then, um, but just started researching it on the internet and kind of like finding things out from there. And it kind of, you know, uh, dominoed into, into finding astrology. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey and where you ended um, and how you ended up where you are, if that's cool. Sure, sure. Well, uh, astrology is definitely a part of my spiritual journey and spiritual unfolding. I would say that it began uh, with really a deep soul searching. I wanted to know why I was living the life I was living, why I oftentimes felt isolated and different from other people. I had already been exploring uh, religions outside of my own culture and was really making some profound discoveries through my own exploration and consciousness as well. And I agree that the internet was really a vital part of this because if it were not for the internet, I wouldn't have been able to really discover uh, this information outside of my culture, my given conditions coming from my parents, my childhood teachers. You know, I really had this intense desire to break out. And uh, like you said, uh, depression, uh, anxiety was a big motivating force. I never felt comfortable in my own given culture, home world at all. And so astrology was really a, a journey of self-discovery. And I began uh, by exploring the Vedic traditions because I was very, very into uh, Hinduism at the time. Uh, but I never really managed to find a great Vedic astrologer. Uh, it never really clicked for me. It was not until a good friend of mine bought me an astrology book, uh, I want to say in 20, 2010, that, uh, or it might have been 2011, uh, and it was a Western astrology book. And it came with a little CD with software on it, and I was able to look at the chart visually, see the wheel, understand the zodiac, and then astrology uh, started to click together very, very quickly. Soon after that, I discovered Kai Pacha of New Paradigm Astrology uh, through his YouTube channel. I resonated with him more than I ever resonated with an, any other astrologer. He became my first astrology mentor who introduced me to evolutionary astrology, as was taught by Jeffrey Wolf Green. And ever since then, it's been a lifelong passion and study and pretty much have been doing charts every day uh, since that fateful day back in 2011, I believe. Cool. Can you talk a little bit about evolutionary astrology and how it's different from other forms of astrology? Sure, sure. Well, I have a profound amount of respect for evolutionary astrology because it answered my questions. Uh, my questions were, why am I here? Why am I dealing with these themes? Why have I had these struggles? And so evolutionary astrology differs from other branches of astrology in not only addressing what is going on, 
as the stereotypical astrologer will say, oh, on this day, this situation is going to happen, or you are this sign and, and this is what you are. And evolutionary astrology has a much deeper approach in understanding why we are this or that sign. What is the evolutionary intention behind our experiences for life? And so from an evolutionary perspective, there is a reason for everything. And many of our own experiences, even our own struggle, comes from our own unconscious desires to evolve. And so evolutionary astrology really centralizes around Pluto. Pluto being our own soul's unconscious. And the idea of Pluto in evolutionary astrology is our own unconscious contains within it the information of all of our past lives, which is said to be a lot, even though we don't necessarily recall all of them. Those lifetimes are still alive and active within us on an unconscious level. And that shapes our self-identity, who we are, the talents and traits that we bring into this life. But it also shapes our soul's desires in terms of how we want to grow and evolve throughout this lifetime. And so the idea of evolutionary astrology is our soul's desires creates many of these experiences, but while those desires and direction remains unconscious to us, it can be confusing or we can fight against the grain of who we are or our own soul's desires. And so evolutionary astrology gives us the tool to understand what our journey is for life, what our soul desires. And I find that the usefulness of evolutionary astrology is really reaffirming our soul, our identity, our direction throughout life. So that way we can align with that nature and align with that full unfolding without fighting against the grain. And this is very encouraging, particularly because many of our soul's desires might be different than what our society deems as successful or our parents encouraged us to be or do so on and so forth. And so it's very reaffirming to kind of connect with our own soul and understand what these deeper desires are. And this is also a means of becoming very empowered to be able to direct ourselves throughout life, to understand our God-given gifts and capabilities as our unconscious dynamics kind of control us, like being a marionette pushed and pulled by invisible strings. But by making those unconscious dynamics conscious, this really empowers us and gives us more control and capability to direct ourselves throughout life. Totally. Cool. Yeah. Thank you for explaining that. And I think it's funny when I, I first discovered you, you know, well, after Eugenia's podcast, but watching your YouTube videos. Um, and I was so relieved because I think you were one of the fir- first people that was like grief and trauma, and like darkness. And I was so happy to kind of have someone that was really touching upon these subjects in a way that wasn't, you know, wrapping them in like unicorns and flowers. The fact that in order to figure out what our, you know, soul's purpose is, what our evolutionary journey uh, journey is about is to peel off a lot of layers of the onion and to, to come across things that are not that pretty, right? And that entire process of grief and facing trauma and like metabolizing all of that is, um, I guess, a pretty good subway su- uh, segue to talk about Pluto in Scorpio. Um, so my audience is not super familiar with astrology. Um, but so let's talk a little bit about, uh, Pluto and, um, sort of how slowly Pluto moves through the chart and, um, 
yeah, why don't we start there? Why don't we talk a little bit about, about Pluto? Sure, sure. So again, you know, from uh, an evolutionary perspective, Pluto is our, our soul's unconscious nature. And it is also our soul's nature that catalyzes evolution, transformation. And so Pluto, whenever we're talking about it in astrology, particularly through transit, such as saying, oh, Pluto is going over the point where the sun was when I was born or where the moon was when I was born. Pluto transits, how they affect us throughout time, really catalyze change and transformation, evolution in a deep and profound way. It's a very, very powerful planet. And so it's a heavyweight in astrology. When we look at Pluto in the birth chart, it's going to tell us this deep information where we've spent many lifetimes in the past. And this is also where we can talk about Pluto generationally. Pluto has a, some 250-year orbit. You know, it takes a very long time for Pluto to come full circle. Uh, Pluto has not come full circle yet since his discovery. He's not even gone through half a Pluto orbit yet. And Pluto correlating with the unconscious, by the way, Pluto was discovered around the time that Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung were pioneering the unconscious. And so from an astrological perspective, we oftentimes look to the discovery dates as oftentimes coinciding with the nature of this planet. And so I think that's a great reflection of how much we understand the unconscious at this point in our human history, which is not a lot. <laughs> you know, we're only a couple centuries into even knowing this word and understanding the depths to which the unconscious goes. So Pluto takes about, you know, over two centuries to go through the whole zodiac, to go through a whole orbit. And therefore, Pluto will take 10 to 20 years to go through any zodiac sign. Now, Pluto is a highly elliptical orbit, so depending on where he is in the zodiac, he goes through some signs much longer than others. He goes through Scorpio very quickly in comparison to how quickly he moves through Taurus. Uh, so Pluto was transiting through the sign of Scorpio from 1983 to 1995. And this is going to correlate to a particular generation of souls as well as what this generation will share in common in terms of past lifetimes that has shaped our own collective unconscious dynamics. And that generation through Pluto will also reveal the evolutionary intentions of our own generation. And so Pluto through Scorpio, let's talk about Scorpio, is ruled by Pluto. Uh, Pluto is at home in the sign of Scorpio, Scorpio itself deals with the unconscious nature. Uh, Scorpio is always associated with keywords of hidden, taboo, mysterious. Uh, you know, it is this deeper beneath the surface reality. I like to think of Scorpio and Pluto as being the majority of the iceberg beneath the water, you know. Yep. And so Pluto transiting through Scorpio was a powerful time in terms of what's happening on our planet it's a powerful generation of souls coming in throughout this time. And it's also a terrifically dark period. And these souls have also experienced a darkness in their past lives. And this darkness does not equal badness, you know. And this is oftentimes a stereotype. Uh, and where people get very scapegoated is with Pluto and, and Scorpio. Very Scorpion souls are oftentimes experienced this being scapegoated as being a dark force or being misunderstood by others because they are so deep. And so this 
intensity and darkness that the Pluto and Scorpio generation has generally collectively experienced in the past does not equal bad, but it does equal intense in many regards. Because the evolutionary intention of Scorpio is to speed up our own evolution. And this happens through experiencing the full spectrum of life. So Scorpio is the full spectrum. It's very non-superficial. It's about real life. This is why Scorpio and Pluto is also associated with death and sexuality and these areas of life that are oftentimes swept under the rug or considered taboo, and yet they're vitally important. And so through the full spectrum experiences of Scorpio, the good, the bad, the ugly, this is actually like a jet fuel that causes our soul to evolve very quickly. And there's really two different types of evolution that the soul can go through. There is the very slow, barely perceivable type of evolution that takes place over many thousands of years. And then there is what is called cataclysmic evolution. And oftentimes when we're talking about Pluto, it is a cataclysmic evolution that oftentimes takes place that allows us to evolve very quickly in a short amount of time, but is oftentimes accompanied with some tumultuousness or intensity. And so I like to use the analogy of our planet once upon a time being inhabited by dinosaurs, you know, and then suddenly an asteroid smacks the earth and kicks up this huge dust cloud and all of the life forms die and are basically reborn. And all of the life forms on this planet transform into something else very quickly. And that's cataclysmic evolution. And so the Pluto and Scorpio generation, again, 1983 to 1995, we're coming from lifetimes of cataclysmic evolution. And we're coming out of dark ages. And we're coming out of intensity. We're coming out of dynamics where there's been power struggles, where there's been dominant forces, where there's been, uh, you know, uh, submissiveness and dominance and power play. And also one of the uh, shared collective generational experiences for Pluto and Scorpio is there is this uh, intensity that's almost like a black hole that can be experienced as a type of claustrophobia that I find is very common for souls in this uh, generation to experience. It can be experienced in a claustrophobia like I'm tired of the intensity of life. I've been through this for lifetimes, and we're still living in a world that's still a dark age. I mean, we'll talk more about this, I'm sure, but the period we're going through right now somewhat reflects what was going on, you know, a couple decades ago, 1990. You know, these Pluto and Scorpio generation. Also, we saw Neptune in Capricorn the whole time. Pluto was in Scorpio, and then Uranus was in Capricorn, 1988 to 1995. So most of these Pluto and Scorpio souls are also Uranus and Neptune and Capricorn souls, which is another pretty uh, real and heavy, you know, real world sign. And so these are not uh, the stereotypical millennials as regarded by many older generations, all the young generations that take everything for granted and, you know, they just rebel and they don't take things seriously. Well, part of that dynamic is true. Because part of the experience of the Pluto-Scorpio generation is this collective apocalypse syndrome. Yeah. Because we've experienced darkness, we've experienced death and intensity, and this fast-paced cataclysmic evolution, there is this deep and unconscious expectation to continue basically living in hell. 
to basically continue living in intensity. And this can be experienced as depression or as this experience of, you know, who cares about what the older generations are asking me to do? The world's going to shit. I mean, the Pluto Scorpio generation is born into this world that is going to shit. Yeah. And let's talk. uh, Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say like, yeah, let's talk about that too, because I think Mm -hmm. that I growing up in this world uh, and being raised during you know, the nineties, predominantly in early two thousands. Um, it was so normal for, for me. Right. And I remember hearing you talk about it for the first time and like, Oh, right. Yeah, that's true. Okay. So like, as a kid, we were the first generation to deal with like school shootings. Like we would walk into school and yeah, at any time our classmate could turn around and kill us. Like that was just common, <laughs> like a common experience that we all sort of had to take on, um, you know, being born, my, uh, my dad is gay and, uh, I, you know, was born pretty much right during, right after the AIDS crisis. We were all kind of born in that period of time. Um, from that to terrorism to 9-11, I mean, it just sort of goes on and on. I I think even having, bringing it back to the beginning of our conversation, having access to the internet as young as we all did, um, you know, God knows the stuff that we stumbled upon from (laughs) internet porn and everything else, right? There was such an exposure, to uh trauma in many ways and to kind of recognize that actually and and pull myself back from it and say like oh right that's actually maybe not normal (laughs) um at least you know comparatively to other generations that was uh really meaningful to me to understand that so i don't know if you have anything to add to that um but certainly where the the Um, environment that we grew up was a little intense absolutely i think those are all great points that you brought up And I, of course, applaud your pulling yourself back and looking at our generation objectively. I applaud anybody that does this because not everybody does. There are too many people that say this is just normal and this is just the way it was and everybody else is going along with it. So why should I even stop to think, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, when we pull ourselves out and we look at the, you know, the the late 80s to the early 90s, this was a very dark period. You know, yeah, there was, I mean, this is, you struck uh, many of the keywords for Scorpio. One of those can be diseases, particularly STDs. It's 100% a Scorpio phenomenon. When we're talking about Scorpio, we're talking about merging with, uh, with other souls on a biological level. When we exchange sexual fluids with another human being, we exchange all sorts of information, not just on the physical, biological, but on more ethereal levels as well. And this, again, this is part of the Pluto-Scorpio generational experiences. There's a lot of sexuality. Uh, There is a lot of uh, young sex exchanging these energies early on in life. And then there can be that experience of claustrophobia merging with this collective karmic pattern that is going back many lifetimes that's now being recycled through these sexual interactions, uh, usually on an unconscious level that is replaying our past life experiences, many of which can involve traumas that want to be resolved. And by the way, our soul wants to resolve these past life traumas by bringing them back to us in the current lifetime. That way they can be resolved. This is part of the unconscious mechanism in the soul is we relive these traumas until they are resolved. And oftentimes these traumas may be unconscious to us until they are made conscious. And so there's a lot of darkness in the, in the late 80s, early 90s. Like you said, there's the school shootings. 
There's this, uh, you know, f- real smackdown on drugs uh, and, uh, you know, all this fear around uh, sexuality, as well as the, the overhype of sexuality. And people are not to this day recognizing the impact of Internet porn, which is still a, a massively impacting and detrimental phenomenon because of how it depicts unhealthy sexuality. And uh, dark sex, you know, and I don't think that was very pervasive until our generation. And so our generation is the first generation to come of age. And as we are coming into our sexuality, we're really being trained by Internet porn and all of this unconscious darkness from all of our pasts and all of this patriarchal last age is being recycled through our own unconscious sexual desires. All of this is Scorpio phenomenon. Sexual fetishes that we don't really understand why, but we're really magnetically attracted to this. Or phobias that we don't really understand why, but we're really repulsed by this. All of these things have their root in the unconsciousness. And all of this is Scorpio phenomenon, this magnetic attraction repulsion. And only the studies of how internet porn affects the brain is only coming out these last few years. This is not a very well understood thing. But how it impacts the brain and how we form our ideas around sexuality has largely been formed through this unconscious regurgitation of the past shadow that the Pluto Scorpio generation is born into. And even the music that's famous in the late 80s, early 90s, what's on television, what's in the, you know, the pop culture at this time is very dark. The music industry is very grungy. Yeah, I was going to say grunge. Yeah, it has this feeling of just kind of like messiness and ickiness. And I remember even growing up watching these game shows on Nickelodeon and how they had this similar gungy, like uh, messy uh, type of, you know, uh, just weird, you know, (laughs) grungy feel to it, you know. And like, I remember as a kid, like, that's like, we're supposed to like, just like celebrate that, you know, and just like, that is what the pop pop culture is. And that's what people like. And I remember being very afraid and very confused because I was sensing into the unconscious dynamics that was going on within all these things, but I did not yet understand what the heck was going on at all. So I think a lot of people in our generation are still uh, descending into our own unconscious dynamics and are still making sense of this world that we were born into still resolving this apocalypse uh, you know, syndrome that a, it is all just a shit show. It is just a mess. And that's just what it is. So we party, we do drugs, we escape, you know, because that has been a lot of our early conditioning experiences. You know, even, uh, the nine 11 terrorist attacks happen when many of us are young and just growing up and that experience of just, you know, what's supposed to be this framework and this impenetrable force, you know, the United States, it, it, it's not, the world uh, that we are born into. And many of these early conditions is not the end of the line. This early conditions and experiences are in fact what's setting up this generation for the evolutionary intentions of what we can be recognizing and healing in ourselves and then come full circle and be offering to the world as well. Yeah. Yeah. You brought up a couple of points. I think first of all, like the whole you know, the regurgitation of these dark, dark experience, I think such a buzzword for the millennial generation is triggered. Um, and, and I mean, I, at this point, I kind of use it as a joke. Uh, but I think to really help 
our generation uh, reframe that in a sense, right? As seeing a trigger is not something like, oh, now we need to create safe spaces and put up walls and hide and and not confront these things, but actually see these triggers, especially what's coming up now in our world as opportunities to kind of move forward. Um, so that's one thing. And I think the other thing too, which Eugenia and I spoke about um, on our episode was, you know, who we were raised by. So the combination of being raised in the environment that we were raised in, but then the the uh, most of the parents of Pluto Scorpios being Pluto Virgos too. Um, so this <laughs> idea of like, nothing's ever good enough and stay inside and nothing's safe. It just, it, I feel compounded that issue in a sense of now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and for us to kind of talk about the future, you know, I see for myself, a lot of people my age, you know, the, the, the simultaneous experience of just growing up, first of all, but growing up in this environment, going through our Saturn returns during this time. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like one after the other. Uh, and, and again, what really inspired me to create this podcast was, you know, through my readings, just talking to friends, this um, kind of come to Jesus moment at the uh, right now, you know, of like, oh my gosh, what's happening in the world. This is our world now. And what is it about our past that actually can be uh, useful for us in kind of ushering, you know, the, the world and the, and the rest of the people on this planet uh, through whatever it is we're about to go through? Um, so, yeah, I, you know, we can certainly talk a bit about I would love to hear your perspective on, um, you know, on purpose and, uh, you know, maybe talking a bit about the, the Scorpio Taurus access as well as it, as it relates to secure, uh, security and stability, but also perhaps before we get to that, you know, because, uh, what sort of attracted me to your work so much was your talk about, uh, trauma and grief and, and, um, less, you know, pretty things, <laughs> less pretty subjects in general. Um, I'm, I'm big on this stuff too, and, and would love to hear your perspective on like what, millennials should do when triggered, right? When in a situation where um, we have the opportunity to, you know, uh, be at a fork at the road and choose one or the other, right? I'm going to just push this away and hope it goes away, or I'm going to move through this. And perhaps um, the moving through this, perhaps we have some, a skill set that, uh, that other generations may not have. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the skill set is actually that this is a generation of souls that can be very realistic. No bullshit. Not just sugarcoating or covering up the difficulties and the challenges of life, but actually being real about it. And this is an area where older generations may not understand the realness or the intensity of the Pluto Scorpio generation that's only just now coming of age. As you said, we're going through our Saturn returns. We're just starting to grow up now. So I think the world may be taking us a little bit more seriously as we start to actually flex our muscles a little bit out there in the world. But yeah, I mean, uh, I appreciate you distinguishing me from other astrologers because I talk about negativity and what is often regarded as bad emotions or feelings as all being wonderful because When we deny or shove away our negative feelings or our frustrations or our anger or our depression, we prevent ourselves from healing. Just bluntly, it's as easy as that. There's nothing wrong with negative feelings or emotions. We are all human beings. If we don't have these negative feelings or emotions, we're just being in denial and we're just being crazy. And I cannot even begin to tell you the amount of extremely disembodied and delusional people that are out there in the spiritual new age movements. 
They're just not even human beings. They're not in their body because they deny their human nature by settling for something that's less, some superficial happiness or ideal of what they're supposed to be that is actually a tremendous hindrance because it, it disconnects us from our, our power and our truth and our capability to actually catalyze change in the world. We have to be real to catalyze change in the world. This is what Pluto and Scorpio is all about. The high octave of Pluto, as was taught by Jeffrey Green, the Pluto man himself, is that Pluto can inspire others and catalyze change in the world with, with no motivation, just being the souls that we are, being in control, being powerful. We can inspire change in the world by being real, by addressing what's actually going on in reality. And so, you know, when you, we open these secret books and these positive manifestation ideas that are very popular and have been popular for some decades, I, I, I see these things as actually tremendously hurtful. And I cannot tell you how many clients, disillusioned people, wounded souls I've, I've had in readings that feel absolutely miserable about themselves because they weren't able to positively manifest their life, you know, by snapping their finger. I mean, I even, I use it as an example. I, I, I had the the fortune or misfortune of reading The Secret for Kids, this book that was for sale in the local Whole Foods. And in this book, this kid loses his dog and then uses positive manifestation to bring his dog back to him. And I couldn't believe it. Just like this is the most awful thing any child could read because you're teaching a child to reject reality. Reality is if your dog runs away, your dog may not come back. This is not a hunky-dory Walt Disney fantasy that we live in. But if we are taught to believe that our reality results from our thinking and positive manifestation alone, what actually results is the child feeling deeply ashamed and inadequate by their failure to bring their dog back to them. And I receive many of these souls as clients that feel like they've messed up their life because they weren't doing the right vision board or this or that. And it's just like, no, you've got to address your unconscious dynamics and create change. You've got to be real. And so uh, there's a lot to be said about needing to address our negative feelings as emotions as a vital and integral part to healing. And particularly with trauma and anxiety, these things don't go away. We can't just sweep these things under the rug. That's only a way to seriously hurt or re-traumatize other souls is by saying, oh, you're taking it too seriously. Oh, you're being too heavy. Yes, we all need to keep our chin up and keep moving. But the only way to do that authentically is to be real with our deep feelings. You know, if, if we have unpleasant feelings, they're actually a trail of breadcrumbs that is leading us into our truth, the truth of our story. And we need to address and honor those things or else we will go into self-denial or self-sacrifice and really end up uh, leading into patterns of masochism or, uh, you know, really hurting ourselves in the, in the long term. And it's, it's really common, these patterns of masochism or self-sacrifice that are actually resulting from collective beliefs. We should be happier. We should be a good person. We should put ourselves last. Therefore, we should sweep these things under the rug. The only way to heal is to address these things. So I always encourage my clients, you know, if you go through depression, be depressed. Depression is healthy. Every sensitive and creative soul is going to have periods of depression, and I applaud that. Depression is healthy. It's a period of time where we are withdrawing from the external world. The external world loses its flavor and appeal, and we start introverting, and it's really a vital part of the creative experience. 
It's where we can withdraw and kind of incubate and go into a, like a, you know, a hibernation sort of phase. And that's when changes happen. And then we go out there in the world and make adjustments. So it's actually healthy to not be happy all the time. And if we're trying to be happy all the time, we're just going to shoot ourselves in the foot. The same is true with anger. Anger is one of the most prejudiced against emotions I've discovered. Like, oh, if you're angry, you're a bad person. Or anger is just self-punishment. It's like holding on to a flame. Well, yeah, hold, you know, being angry for a long period of time can be detrimental to the body, yes. But we're not angry for no reason. <laughs> uh, anger, I find, is usually a result of suppressed creativity or suppressed innovation. And then the soul can even start to feel frustrated on, on an unconscious level. But it's not because we're doing anything wrong other than the fact that we may be suppressing or denying our own individuality. And again, the, the outer world, older generations, uh, our bosses and society may say, hey, fit this cookie cookie cutter. And we feel angry about it. And that may be because our soul is trying to inform us that that's not what we're supposed to be. So all of these negative emotions can become transformed into beautiful things and inspiring things and for example anger can be jet fuel what you don't like what pisses you off about the world good be pissed off about the world use that as passion to address something different to do something different so depression can also be turned into creative jet fuel anger can be turned into passion creative jet fuel all of these negative things are actually gifts but they have to be embraced first before we can transform them into their potential. Yeah, for sure. And and I think even going farther on that point too, like, you know, also learning to distinguish between, let's say, you know, depression and grief, right? And uh, really looking at like, there is a healthy expression of negative emotion. And of course, wallowing and doing nothing for, you know, months or years on end is not productive, but it was, it was astonishing to me, uh, my own really transformational journey was very much based in um, grieving and uh, learning how to do that, learning that it was healthy. Um, I mean, I mean, to the point where, you know, just the experience of um, being in my emotional body like that, honoring anything that came through, you know, I would then go on to read books about grief. Oh yes. Okay. Grief does this. It opens you up to X, Y, Z and helps you kind of place yourself in the larger um you know, perspective of, the, of this whole planet. Uh, and that was astonishing to me that like, there was so much enlightenment present just in the feeling of emotion, just in that grief. Um, and I, I do my best and it's why I like your work so much because I really think teaching that to our generation um, and supporting and, and helping our generation go through that process is how we make change, right? Fix yourself to fix the world. Like we have to go through that in order to affect change on a collective level. Um, I was just listening to something, I forget what it was, a video of yours where you had quoted uh, Jeffrey Green, something about like solution happens through the vehicle of feeling. Um, and I think that's so vital to really embrace all of that. So um, cool. Uh, mm -hmm. So so yeah, let's talk about, so, so we go through this process. Um, we're able to, you know, potentially this is our soul's purpose in some way as Pluto Scorpios. Um, I would love to hear a bit about what you envision for this generation. Um, what do you feel like is our overall soul's purpose aside from, um, grieving? 
and, and being depressed. Um, I feel obviously quite strongly that, uh, this is a path. Um, and so I would love to kind of hear your thoughts on that and where you see this generation going. Thank you. Um, yeah, great question. Uh, first, though, I'm going to just back up and rewind and say, yes, you know, the vast majority of this information I'm pulling about Pluto, Scorpio generation, it's definitely coming from Jeffrey Wolf Green. And so anyone who's interested in evolutionary astrology, I recommend his Pluto book. Uh, you can Google schoolofevolutionaryastrology.com. And uh, the video that Anya just referenced, I did for the Evolutionary Astrology Zoom Meetings Group, which has both a YouTube channel as well as a Facebook group, and there's regular videos coming online. Uh, the video that she just talked about uh, or referenced is called uh, the Esoteric Water Element. And I do find that the water signs are the, mis the most misunderstood signs. Uh, water is sensitivity and feeling. And so that's what that video is all about. But these are signs that are misunderstood. There is a collective prejudice against water, feeling-based emotion, because it is misunderstood. For many thousands of years, it's been considered a hindrance to be sensitive, to be emotional. There's been terms such as a lunatic being ruled by Luna, the moon, which is the sign of cancer. Cancer is one of the most prejudiced against signs. In this day and age. And cancer is our emotional body. And it is our emotions. It is our actual emotional experience of life that allows our soul to evolve. And so again, if we're denying our feelings, we deny our own soul's evolution. And there's a beautiful trine between water signs in the zodiac. There's a trine between cancer, which is our emotional body. It is our own self-identity. It's really our own egoic core. What's processing and making sense of our own personal experience is cancer. Um, Scorpio is our soul. It is the evolutionary mechanism that is causing us to evolve. And then Pisces is spirit. It's the collective. So there is a connection here between our emotional sensitivity. That processing of feelings is what's causing our soul to evolve, to grow, and ultimately find meaning in life, Pisces. So it's very, very important. And yeah, grieving is something that is not known. <laughs> We're not taught how to grieve in our culture. It is a vital missing link that causes so many diseases and problems on so many different levels. And that's a cancer phenomenon, taking emotions and processing them. Grieving is vitally important. Uh, we have to learn how to grieve. Men have to learn how to grieve. Men are particularly taught to be the Marlboro man don't express any feelings. And there's all sorts of disorders and inner sickness that can form from this, uh, inadequacies, fears, uh, so on and so forth. And so that's really, really noble work to be talking about grieving in, in our current culture, uh, because grieving is how we get this stuff out. If we don't release it, it gets buried beneath the surface, and then this just festers and eventually distorts until we recognize it by having something else call our attention. And so to get back to the evolutionary intention of the Pluto-Scorpio generation, again, this is a generation of souls who have experienced full-spectrum experiences. Scorpio is a sign about going beyond limitation, pushing the limits. There's been intensity. There's been power struggles. Many Pluto and Scorpio souls may experience these power struggles through relationships in particular. There may be particular souls that we've experienced intensity with in the past that we're resolving these karmic bonds or connections with. 
Again, there's this collective theme of claustrophobia with the Pluto Scorpio generation, not having enough spaciousness or separation from other souls that we're being wrapped up in, you know? And so part of the evolutionary intention is the opposite to Scorpio, which is the zodiac sign of Taurus. And Taurus is all about spaciousness and sovereignty. Taurus is about self-resourcefulness, not depending on others to take care of ourselves. We can take care of ourselves. Taurus is about sovereignty. It's, it's about self-resourcefulness. It's about spaciousness. It's about peace. It's about coming into the body. It's about being embodied in the world. And so we're going to see many souls in this Pluto Scorpio generation are going to be spearheading permaculture and these alternative methods of reconnecting with Taurus, the earth, in order to be sovereign, in order to create spaciousness where we can settle down and slow down and unwind into our bodies. One of the keys for healing trauma, which is an Aquarius phenomenon, by the way, and Taurus and Scorpio square Aquarius in the Zodiac. So this is where a lot of action takes place. Well, Taurus is relaxing and slowing down is a vital part of healing trauma. Uh, Taurus can be self-pleasure, enjoyment of the body, reconnecting with nature is vital in healing trauma. And so part of this intention of the Pluto-Scorpio generation is it's like we're pulling ourselves out of the frying pan of the past, which is, again, these power dynamics, claustrophobia, intensity with other souls, this apocalypse, apocalypse syndrome that, you know, uh, everything is just going to get go to shit, you know, where we've spent many, many lifetimes is where we develop a comfort zone. There can be this very fascinating almost paradoxical comfort zone with the Pluto and Scorpio generation that is comfortable in the frying pan, comfortable in intensity, comfortable with all of this sexuality and loudness, you know, and I think of, uh, you know, uh, dubstep music. You know? <laughs> I was hoping you brought up dubstep because your, your interpretation of that is like one of my favorites for this. Generation. Yeah. I just find it to be <laughs> such, I mean, there is no more of a Pluto Scorpio music than dubstep. Yeah. I mean, what dubstep does is shakes the root chakra. It brings you into that fight or flight nature, you know? And I think that's why our generation can like it because it's comfortable to be in that fight or flight nature. I mean, my interpretation of dubstep music is it feels like an eternal haunted house or it's like, it's just that music that is just always climaxing and climaxing and climaxing and climaxing and climaxing. I mean, that's a peak experience. This is Scorpio intensity, right? And for myself, I hate dubstep music with a passion uh, because it triggers my trauma. It makes me feel unsafe. It triggers that fight or flight and my, heart starts to beat faster and I start to feel that overwhelming claustrophobia and it has a propensity to give me a panic attack. So I'm not a dubstep person, but I understand why there can be an attraction to it. You know, it really revs you up. It gives you that root chakra life force energy. You know, it's very Kali intense type of music, you know, but, uh, you know, again, it's, it's, it's part of our, our, uh, soul's, 
collective intention to also anchor some peace and Taurus's stability and being able to settle down. So we're not just always wrapped up in these peak experiences. And this is why there can be drug addiction or sex addiction and these things is we're just yearning after one peak experienced after the next. And personally, looking at my own self-reflection process of healing, I find it amazing that when I go into a period where there is a lot of peace or a lot of space, I start to notice my own unconscious tendencies fighting against it. That apocalypse syndrome kicks in and it's just like, "Eh, this is too good to be true. Let's dig up some drama. Or, you know, this is too peaceful. Let's, you know, let's, uh, let's create some friction with somebody or let's like, let's get back into those sexual desires and bring the Kundalini energy back up and, you know, raise the heart level or let's watch some scary films, you know, or start merging back into the collective shadow, you know, cause it's too peaceful. It's almost boring, you know? And so this is part of our souls or our collective group work is to, uh, balance that out by, you know, becoming more comfortable in peace and stability and sovereignty and reconnecting with nature. And as our generation does this, I think we will simultaneously be remembering who we actually are on a deeper level. And in so doing, become capable of going out there in the world and creating change effectively by not continuously being reabsorbed into the black hole of the intensity in the collective past and all the sexual uh, trauma and recycled patriarchy, so on and so forth, but to create something that's new, fresh, and different. Uh, and so this, uh, this is going to be something that I think is going to be really important is that we need, uh, uh, we need to develop patience and, uh, we need to develop spaciousness. Um, you know, it's like uh, learning to slow down and, um, you know, not always be surrounded by a group of people or not always be at a loud party. And just by actually allowing spaciousness and just breathing, you know, when I think of Taurus, I think of Buddhism. It's just the most Taurus practice, it's just simple. Taurus is the wisdom of simplicity, it doesn't have to be complicated. We've overcomplicated things in this day and age. It doesn't have to be so dark. This earth was originally meant to be a paradise. All we'd have to do is take care of the plants and animals and we'd already be there. The wisdom of Taurus is the wisdom of the garden. You just stick one seed in the earth and a plant comes up with hundreds of more seeds to create hundreds of more plants. And all we do is add sunshine and water and we have abundance. We have enough for everyone. And so there's this simplicity that has been forgotten by our culture. We live in a world where everyone is essentially uh, disconnected because we're so wrapped up in all this intensity and the internet and technology and whatnot. And it's just amazing to me how hindrance this is to our body. For example, when we go out into our neighborhoods, we have these beautiful backyards and then all of our AC units are in the backyards. So that way the front yard looks pretty. There's not an AC unit. And instead we go in the backyard and all you can hear is the freaking AC units everywhere. You know, and it's just like, why are we so essentially closed down? Part of the Pluto Scorpio generation's opportunity is to recognize, hey, we were born into an intense situation. There was all these distractions, interferences, and claustrophobia, and we can actually heal ourselves and help the world. And what is really easy and what is really simple can be infinitely more medicinal 
then we realized it has to be. It doesn't have to be complex in order to be very powerful and very healing. And that's key in resolving trauma as well. It can be very simple, very easy. Just get an animal and spend time in nature. And that in and of itself can heal trauma in, in ways that other things cannot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I talk about that access in my reading all the time, you know, this idea of security. And I think Taurus and Scorpio speak to two different types of security. And so I think, you know, on the other hand, it's like, we can't all just, we can't just go to Taurus, right. And, and avoid the water, avoid the emotion. But I think it, it is a, uh, a blessing for this generation to be able to understand the Scorpio world to really have an understanding of what that's about, but also, you know, make the choice to meet in the middle. I mean, like that is what astrology is. Like we're just trying to find our way to the center, you know? Um, so to really take that and, and recognize, yeah, like we don't need, you know, we don't need, you know, having Pluto and Taurus, for example, right? Like that would be something where we, we, you know, we're obsessed with our things or we're hoarding and we need these physical, tangible things to kind of make us feel secure. And it's like, what a blessing to kind of stand in the middle of that, to be like, I can understand that world, but I can make choices for my own security. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's kind of cool to, to live in both of those worlds and to understand both of those worlds and to, and to, you know, perhaps the sole intention of our our generation is to actually reinvent what it means to be secure and safe. Um, Mm -hmm. and kind of look at everything that, you know, like you're mentioning with the AC units, just everything that's going on in the world and be like, wait a second, like we, everything we do in our lives is, um, we're making a choice, you know, we're voting with everything from the food we buy to the, the ideas that we, you know, spend our time, you know, dedicated to. Um, and so to really think about how consciously throughout our day, we are, you know, making choices that are either proliferating something or changing something. Um, so thank you for expressing all that. Um, and I, uh, briefly, I would love to talk a little bit about where Pluto is in the sky right now. Um, because I think that for me was sort of another light bulb moment. Um, obviously, as we talked about at the beginning, Pluto, Pluto having about a 250 year orbit, America's having its Pluto return right now or soon at least. Mm-hmm. So the last time Pluto was in this uh, place in the sky that it was, uh, was during the American Revolution. Um, and, uh, I think that makes a whole lot of sense. (laughs) Um, but I would love to kind of hear your interpretation of Pluto and Capricorn as related to our generation and like the interplay between, um, what we're all going through right now and what's happening in the world. That's a great question because to me, there's a definite interplay between what's going on now and what was going on in the late eighties, early nineties. Um, Back in 89 to 90, there was a Saturn-Uranus-Neptune conjunction in Capricorn. And what we're coming up to in 2020 is a Jupiter-Saturn-Pluto conjunction in Capricorn. So again, this doesn't even get acknowledged by uh, astrologers all the time, but the Pluto-Scorpio generation also had Neptune in Capricorn from 1984 to 1999. This is a generation of souls that are real-world visionaries. Neptune is our vision, what the collective needs what is being offered for the greater good. Capricorn is bringing this into the real world. Constructing the new world via our vision is part of the work of the Pluto and Scorpio generation. I call this generation the bulldozer generation. We're being born into the old world that is crumbling, and we are sowing seeds for the new reality, the new world that we can be constructing. Similarly, what's going on these next couple of years 
is this Saturn. Uh, and by the way, the Uranus-Neptune conjunction uh, that happened in 1993 is a 170-year cycle. And this is, again, this is a, a signature for visionaries that are coming in, real-world visionaries that are catalyzing change in terms of what reality even is. It's a big part of these early 90s intention. What's happening now is these are big cycles that are completing and closing as well. Saturn going with Pluto is, is uh, you know, it's, it's roughly a 30-, 40-year cycle. Uh, many Pluto and Scorpio generation souls are going through their Saturn returns these years. And so, again, the world collectively right now is going through a bit of a dark period, if we haven't noticed. I mean, this is like a mini dark age. If you're really in tune with what's going on beneath the surface, hell yeah, that's what's going on. These are the long, unconscious distortions from culture and uh, how nations and societies have been run for thousands and thousands of years through this patriarchal age. It's like the old age is rearing its ugly face for us all to see right now. And that's not only because Saturn is creating a new cycle with Pluto, which is all about creating fundamentally new structures. Jupiter joined with Saturn and Pluto is creating new philosophies, what these new societies, what this new world vision is going to be. But all of this is also happening on the south node of Pluto. Not just the moon, but all the planets have nodes in astrology, and Pluto is only going to pass his own south node once every Pluto orbit, once every 250 years. When Pluto goes over his own south node, it is a collective upheaval of the collective unconsciousness. That way, we can see all the problems that are coming from our past that need to be addressed. It is necessity that these problems are worked out. But they haven't been worked out yet. They're just being exposed right now. And this whole last year, while Jupiter was in Scorpio, it was a lot of exposure. Jupiter is a planet of illumination and insight. Scorpio is the bottom of the barrel, the unconscious. And so all of these sex scandals, the Me Too movement has been spurred by this time. We're looking at the collective shadow. And for those who are aware and in tune, it's not necessarily a comfortable time to be alive. But it's not the end of the world either. This is an important time where we have to be keeping our chin up, connecting with our higher self, however we want to refer to it, God, spirit, our guides. We have to keep ourselves afloat because this can be a dark time. But this is a time where it is real. It's about addressing these real-world issues. And there is an opportunity to catalyze change these next several years in a drastic way. I mean, there is a before this period and there is an after this period. Astrologers are going to be talking about 2020, not just through the next several years, but through the decades to come. This is an opportunity to wipe the slate clean and to begin something anew that can be very fresh. But Pluto is going to move into Aquarius in 2024. It oftentimes can be that cataclysmic evolution. It can be cataclysm. It can be us awakening via trauma. Hey, we have to address these problems. We have to address how we are collectively dealing with nature and getting our energy and referring to each other as nations because we cannot survive by perpetuating the same patterns that have been continuing for so many years. Rather, this is an opportunity to uh, address these things, in which case 
when Pluto moves into 2024, you know, these decades, uh, you know, the 2030s, 2040s can be enormously progressive and uh, productive. Um, but it's like right now, there's this collective creative block and it's coming from our societal expectations. It's coming from governmental institutions. It's coming from money-making machines that have prevented our human ingenuity and our human creativity. And it's like a giant block that needs to get uncorked. And right now, the collective tension and discomfort we're feeling is that propulsion to break down that cork and push this wall forward. That way we can start to step forward into the new. Totally. Cool. Well, I think that's a perfect note to end on. Uh, very exemplary of, of the podcast's vision overall. Um, uh, tell, I'd love you for you to share where people can find you. And then I have one question that I'm going to ask you at the end and put you on the spot, but where can people find you? Um, and maybe a little bit about like where you hope your journey is going and, and what you'd like people to join you on. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to share. I have a uh, YouTube channel where I put a uh, biweekly astrological forecast, uh, you know, generally before the new or the full moons. Uh, the name of that channel is Rasa Lila Healing, R-A-S-A-L-I-L-A Healing. And my website is rasalilahealing.com. And so currently I have a Patreon page as well, which you can find through my website where I have a community of people where they can post questions. We do a monthly Q and a, I post monthly workshops. We have a little community. Um, and I do, uh, also written astrology horoscopes for the Patreon group. Uh, I do astrological readings is my main passion to work one-on-one -on -one with people is, uh, is a real, real gift. And I really love to share that space with others and to talk uh, about people's birth charts. Um, but my own passion for the future is I, I'm similarly to you, very, very uh, passionate about uh, resolving trauma and uh, not just using astrology, which is very gifted for identifying these very, very deep patterns. And in that, I have to say, astrology is a real gift that is still uh, making its way into the healing professions. Uh, you know, uh, the birth chart as a map of the unconsciousness is a really powerful tool that can save someone years of therapy digging to get to that unconscious material. So it's very, very useful to identify these dynamics, but then we need to change them. And so I'm very interested in these different tools and modalities to heal trauma, uh, you know, different And these. This is basically where I see ourselves is we are at the front lines of this next phase of healing and evolution collectively. That's really going to focus on addressing these things because there's not a lot available currently on healing trauma, but they're just becoming to be discovered such as EFT, tapping, mm -hmm. uh, hypnotherapy, um, you know, different sexual practices can be powerful in healing trauma. So all of the above, I'm very, very interested in and passionate about bridging those things uh, with astrology. Cool. Thanks. Okay. So last question, if you could give a book to everyone on the planet to read, what would it be? Oh man. See, I that's know. a trick question. <laughs> Because the answer is I have no book to give everybody. <laughs> everybody needs a different book. I think we hopefully yeah, learned true. that last one over the last 2,000 years, humanity. <laughs> that's <laughs> true. That's true. One book. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, I would say if I could give one book, it would be the book that has within it 
all of the great uh, philosophical musings and religious, uh, you know, discoveries from across the globe. I would say the book I would give to you is the book that is going to give you, uh, you know, insight into your own spiritual healing journey. And by the way, I see personally the spiritual journey and the healing journey as one and the same. And so when we're addressing our healing journey, that is what spiritual aspiration is all about. Uh, but, you know, I, I do have books that have been majorly influential in my life. Uh, the Bhagavad Gita, coming from India. Uh, the uh, Tao Te Ching, coming from the East. I've learned a lot from Sufism. And so I personally vibe from spiritual things, religious things. Not everybody does. So I wouldn't give that book to everybody. Uh, but generally, I encourage people to go beyond their comfort zones and to explore the things that aren't already in front of them. Because at least for me, in my own personal journey, that's how I really got to understand the deeper essence of my own psyche, humanity, and where we are in the world right now. And personally, I was raised very traditionally Roman Catholic, but I don't think I even began to really understand Christianity until I started to open my mind and explore other paths and religions as well. Um, uh, if you're into astrology, the book I would say is, is read some Jeffrey Wolf Green. That would be my recommendation to astrologers. Cool. Cool. Thank you so much, Tim. I appreciate it. Um, hopefully we can talk again soon, but thank you for taking the time. I would love that. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. So thank you for the opportunity to, to connect and share today. Hello again, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Tim. Um, if you're a millennial, I hope you feel a little bit more warranted in your life experience. And if you're not a millennial, um, hopefully you can stop fucking hating us so much. That would be great. Thanks. Um, no, but seriously, I, I think you know, what I would love for everyone to take away from this is this idea that we all have something to teach one another. And there's a lot we can learn from the older generations. And there's a lot that they can learn from us as well. And that's just how it's supposed to be. Um, as a reminder, if you would like to support this show, please go to patreon.com slash Anya Cates. The song I'm going to play you out with today is called Funeral Singers by uh, Sylvan Esso with uh, collections of colonies of bees. I just think funeral singer is such a perfect metaphor for millennials and the Pluto and Scorpio generation, you know, finding love and joy within pain. So listen to the lyrics. They're pretty great. Uh, and I'll talk to you guys soon.
Spread like 